Hey guys, I'm Paul Bates and this is the Fermentation Podcast. Join me on this journey to put fermentation into practice, create culture, and revive this lost art that connects all of us to our cultures of the past. Today is Friday, January 16th, 2015, and this is episode number 20. You guys out there might have set some resolutions for yourself, like losing weight or getting healthy or whatever, but today on the show, I'm kicking off my New Year's resolutions with getting into sourdough starters and bread. What exactly is a sourdough? How to make a sourdough starter using a few different methods, including making one from wild yeast in the air. Rehydrating an established starter you might have bought or maybe even gotten from a friend. And then on to what you can do with sourdough starters, including several different tasty recipes. But first... All the topics and links for today's show will be in the show notes at fermentationpodcast.com. If you'd like to get a hold of me, email me at paul at fermentationpodcast.com or just go to the website like a lot of people do and click on the contact button on the top. You can also connect to me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitter. Just go to fermentationpodcast.com. You should see the links in the sidebar. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, just head out to the website, click on the guest button on the top, and just fill out the guest submission form there. So to get into the topic, maybe you've heard about sourdough bread or sourdough starter or sourdough pretzels or pancakes or whatever, but what exactly is a sourdough and why is it called that? So a traditional sourdough is not what you'd buy at a store. Nowadays, you go to the store and you get a package and on the back there's ingredients and you might see culture starter or starter culture, you know, whatever that means to a manufacturer, along with a long list of chemicals. And that bread could have been sitting there for days or maybe even like a week at a time. You know, why is it lasting so much longer? It's because of all those chemicals they add to it. And most likely that sourdough starter that they have in there is not going to be the same as what you're going to be making at home. And what a lot of people think of as a traditional sourdough starter is something that you make at home and it's very flavorful and it's actually very healthy for you because of all the microorganisms in it. And it actually helps to break down some of the the proteins and some of the other things that are in whole wheat that the body has a a little more trouble digesting, which is probably why a lot more people have gone gluten-free because we don't really have traditional sourdoughs anymore. And, you know, you might even be able to find these at a a local bakery near you, like an actual bakery. And when you think of, you know, high-quality bread, you could probably go in the back of their kitchen and they might have a sourdough starter that they've been going for decades, just like, you know, Jane Campbell. So if you're going to try some sourdough bread, I suggest either getting it from a baker that is actually making the true sourdough bread or just making it yourself. You can save a lot of money and you can have a a unique flavor. And, you know, when you go to a baker, you might actually get a sourdough bread that tastes totally different than what you're going to make at home because that starter culture is going to be totally different than what yours is. And there's some sourdoughs that are so world-renowned, probably like the San Francisco sourdough starters. And I'm sure there's probably other ones in Europe that have been going for probably hundreds of years on the, the same exact sourdough starter. So really, just like with every other topic I talk about, all the other different types of foods, you just want high-quality stuff that you know exactly what went into it, you know it's a strong culture, and you know it's actually going to be contributing to your health rather than taking away from it, and also adding tons of flavor and tons of enjoyment to your life. So on to what is a sourdough? Sourdough is actually made by fermentation with a combination of lactobacilli bacteria and yeast. And what the lactobacilli bacteria do is they actually give the dough its sour flavor when it produces lactic acid. Just like when you think of in the pickle making process. Well, on the other hand, what the yeast actually does is what you think more in the bread making arena, where it gives it a, a nice rise and creates a fluffy kind of a bread. 
but both bacteria and yeast eat sugars or the carbohydrates. But some of the sugars yeast can't actually consume, which is where the bacteria come in and digest some of those sugars into byproducts that the yeast can consume. And then onto the yeast making its carbon dioxide, and then you get a good rise. So they actually work hand in hand. So instead of starting with like a, a commercial yeast, like you would in the normal bread making process, sourdough actually begins with a starter that's only made of flour and water. That's it. At least that's all we can see. On the microbial level, there's a lot more going on. Microscopically, the bacteria and yeast form a community that has more of like a, a battle going on at times. Sometimes the bacteria take over, turning the starter more acid, and sometimes the yeast take over, which gives it more of a rise. So they work together, and you get different results depending on which one is in control at the time. So when you're starting off with a sourdough starter, the hydration of the starter or the amount of water to flour doesn't necessarily matter and can come either slightly liquid, like what you would think of like a pancake batter, to even a, a stiffer kind of a dough. And you'll have to figure this into your recipes and add the right amount of water and just experiment to see which actually works for you better. But I seem to like, you know, maybe more in the middle slightly liquid to where you can actually see the bubbles coming up and you know you have a really strong starter and just enough to where you know you can't knead it but you can stir it up with a spoon very easily so with the right temperature being slightly warm or normal room temperature mine being you know 70 degrees or so and periodic refreshing of your starter it'll begin to stabilize into a strong community that ends up being very resilient and can last almost indefinitely kind of like jane campbell's sourdough starter that she sent me that's now over 30 years old and once it does stabilize you can leave it at room temperature, use it and feed it every day. Or if you don't plan on using it so often, you would just remove it to the refrigerator and feed it every week or every couple of weeks, or I've even heard up to once a month. But I would still say, you know, feed it every once a week or every, once every couple of weeks at the most, I would say. And that's actually if your starter is in the refrigerator. If it's at room temperature, you probably want to be feeding it every day just to, to keep it going because it's going to be fermenting a lot faster than in the refrigerator. The main thing is when you want to use it and say it's in the refrigerator, you'll take it out of the refrigerator and remove maybe a cup or so, which is, you know, maybe roughly half. And that portion is the, quote, throwaway portion, which means you want to use it for something else that's not going to rise. So you would use that throwaway portion for some of the sourdough recipes I have for you later on. But if you're planning on using it for bread, what you want to do is not that throwaway portion, but the portion you still have, you actually want to feed the active starter about 12 hours beforehand to get the yeast in the starter excited enough to create enough carbonation to get the bread to rise. That's really the whole point of this is to get a, a natural rise from the, the natural yeast that's in there, and then also having the lactic acid bacteria to give it that sour flavor. But if you try to use that throwaway starter to raise your bread, it'll probably end up flat and very sour since it's now dominated by bacteria instead of yeast. And that bacteria-dominated starter is more acidic, which is very strongly sour. So normally sourdough is less vigorous in terms of rise than commercial store-bought yeast, so it actually takes a little bit longer to get a good rise, and most of the time you end up with a slightly denser bread in the end anyways. And also lending to that slightly denser bread, since the, the starter is slightly more acidic, 
the protein in the wheat actually begins breaking down, which means the gluten ends up being weaker, which also gives you a slightly denser bread. And, you know, it's not a big deal, but it's just something to keep in mind in the back of your head. You're not going to get a, a very, very fluffy bread. Sourdoughs are a little bit more dense and a little more chewy, which is what a lot of people are even looking for in terms of characteristics. So moving on to how to actually make a sourdough starter from wild yeast, there's actually a, a few different methods and a few different tips and tricks and just a few different ways that people actually do it. And no way is necessarily more correct than the other way. It's just whichever way works for you. In general, it takes probably about five days to maybe even a week or more to actually create your first sourdough starter, especially if you're trying to make it from wild yeast from the air. So to make a sourdough from wild yeast, I'll just go over the high-level way and then point you to a link from the kitchen that's more in-depth and detailed. And there's many other sites on the net that talk all about how to do it, go into detail, and the amounts vary from website to website with smaller or larger portions to start out and then, you know, each time to add, but basically overall the process is the same. So you start off with a small portion of flour, and that can be any kind of flour, you know, whether whole wheat, whether unbleached, all-purpose. I just always use all-purpose. And then you use the same amount of water. So, you know, whether that's a tablespoon of flour, a tablespoon of water, or a fourth cup of flour, a fourth cup of water. And I always have to reiterate, always use filtered or distilled, non-chlorinated or unchlorinated water. You just don't want any chlorine to kill off your microorganisms. So you have your equal amount of flour and water, stir them together vigorously in a jar, and what this does is it makes sure everything is completely combined, but it also oxygenates everything. So since you're stirring it very vigorously and, you know, you're making a lot of bubbles, you're actually introducing a ton of oxygen. And since yeast love oxygen, they'll thrive with that extra oxygen in there and go a little bit faster. So stir it vigorously, then just loosely cover it, you know, whether that's with a cheesecloth or just like a cloth. Or if you don't have to worry about bugs, just make sure your jar lid is just a little bit ajar so you can get a little bit of that air flow through there, you know, for, throughout the 24 hours. And then after 24 hours, you just repeat this every day for as long as it takes to get the mixture bubbly. So the next day, you put in the same amount of flour, same amount of water, stir it up vigorously. The next day, do the same thing. You're going to start seeing the mixture get a little bit bubbly. And then one day, you'll add it, and you'll notice the next day, the entire batch will double in size. Then you know it's ready, and it's very vigorous. And I'm sure in the back of your mind, if you've added this much flour, this much water every single day, and then the entire thing doubled in size, you're probably thinking, you know, should you start off with a bigger jar? You could start off with just a half pint like I did, and then move up to a larger mason jar. And some people even use an entire gallon jar because they're making a huge amount of sourdough starter. But I would think that's more for like the power user. So in any case, if you have to move up to a bigger jar... Just make sure the, the new jar is clean, sterile, then dump the starter into the new jar, and then just keep going about your business. And some people even just like to use ceramic crocs, and that's fine also if you're going to have it on your counter at room temperature and you're going to keep it there every day. It looks prettier, and you can also store that in the refrigerator, but I just like having a, a clear mason jar, a clear jar so I can see what's actually going on. And you can kind of tell how big it is if you put a, a line on a mason jar or if you use a jar that already has graduated measurements. You can see how it's progressing along, see how tall it's getting, you know, if it's doubling, if it's just staying stagnant. So anyways, that's the basic process. Flour, water every day, flour, water every day, gets bubbly, doubles, then it's ready to go. 
And if yours doesn't double in size or it's not very, very vigorous, it doesn't mean it's not good. But you definitely want some bubbles there to make sure it's actually active so you can get a good rise. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a, a flat bread and that's not what you want. So in any case, that's the overview of how to make it from a wild yeast. And not everybody can even make a, a wild sourdough starter. Sometimes it just doesn't work wherever you are. And I've even heard people setting their jars outside so they can capture wild yeast from outdoors rather than indoors. And I've even heard people, they, they do the same process, except they'll take grapes and crush them up and put that in the starter. And there's actually a good amount of yeast on the skin of grapes. And when you crush them up, the yeast enters into the sourdough starter. Plus, the grape juice is a sugar, so that gets it going also. And then one other method that's really popular is actually using juice rather than water. So you can use either an orange juice or a very popular pineapple juice. And what that does is it drops the sourdough starter to a, a low pH to start with, so it's a little more acid. Plus, it also introduces a ton of sugar, and it just kind of jumpstarts the whole thing. So you can try either one of those or just try the, the regular traditional way. Or if none of that's working for you, or if you just like the taste of a certain sourdough or want to try one that's already established, you can actually buy one from a bunch of different places or even have a friend send you one, kind of like Jane Campbell did for me. And then when you want to revive it, you go through a different process. So say you started off with a, a dehydrated starter culture. You can also use different amounts, just like I said before. But so the general overview, what I did with Jane Campbell's is the instructions she sent me was to add two tablespoons of water and stir vigorously, like I said before, to make sure it's all introduced and then wait about 15 minutes and the water will actually rehydrate that somewhat. And I use, you know, lukewarm water, not very hot water. You don't want to kill the thing, but you stir it up. Wait for it to hydrate and add the same amount, which was another two tablespoons of flour, and then stir that vigorously again. And what she does is actually, in another 12 hours, do that again. Another 12 hours, do that again. I'm sure you can also follow the 24-hour method. And then I'll have a link also for a Nourished Kitchen, how to make a sourdough starter. They go through the whole process, which is basically the same as this, but they're using half cup of flour with a third cup of water. And you just keep doing that every day until it finally gets bubbly. So it's basically the same process. You're just introducing it to start with. And you don't have to worry about making sure you get any kind of wild yeast from the air. It's already there. You just have to reinvigorate it again. Wake it back up. So if you want really good results, I would suggest either buying one or getting one from a friend. And then you kind of know what to expect. And you know it's most likely going to work because... Waking up a sourdough starter that's kind of gone to sleep and dried is probably a lot easier than capturing a wild one where you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. It's better to start with one that's already established, already has been proven out for several decades or maybe even a 100 or 200 years. So in any case, that's getting a sourdough starter started from a dried culture. So now the next thing, actually making bread from your sourdough starter. So whenever I've done this in the past, I won't go over the whole process of making bread because I already did a, a whole show on no-knead bread, how to do that. But instead of actually adding yeast like I, I would normally, I'll just add some of the portion of the flour as a sourdough starter. And you also have to, you know, consider in the fact that it's not just flour you're adding, it's also a little bit of water in there too. And when you look around for recipes for this, it is really just all over the place in terms of how much you add. So I can't tell you definitively what's the correct amount to use because you're just going to have to figure that out for yourself for whatever type of flour you're using or whatever the recipe is. But I've seen ratios anywhere from one to one and a half. So one cup of sourdough starter to one and a half cups of flour. 
anywhere up to one cup of flour to six cups of flour. So from anywhere from like an almost one to one to like a one to six is what I found. And you'll just have to experiment on, you know, how fluffy that gets it or how sour that gets it. You know, if you're using a a one to six, so say only a sixth of your batter is sourdough, it's not going to be as sour as if you're using like a half and half. So in any case, there's tons of recipes out there of how to make sourdough bread. So if you guys have any really good recipes that you think I should try, then, you know, send them my way and I'll, I'll experiment with it and see how they go. But in general, the recipe I had kind of used was a one to four. And I, I think I'll start experimenting with more like a one to one or a one to two just to see what that's like. Because I also like the flavor of sourdough and, you know, the sour flavor is what kind of attracts me to sourdough. Oh, and I forgot to mention, if you're going to be adding this to your bread recipe, I think the one thing I would mention, though, is when you go to add it, what I usually do is the water that I'm going to add in the recipe, I'll actually add that to the sourdough starter and get the sourdough starter very liquidy and then add that to the flour. I think that incorporates it a lot better than just kind of trying to knead it in there. You're wasting a bunch of time trying to knead the, the sourdough into the entire recipe. So what I like to do is liquefy it and then add it. And I think that gives you better results. So now most of the rest of this episode, I'm just going to go over a bunch of different recipes. So say now you have a sourdough starter, it's very active, or say you have one in the refrigerator and it's good to go, and you want to wake it back up again, maybe to make some bread or something along those lines, and you take half away, you're going to throw it away, but why would you throw it away when you can use it for something really good? I mean, you've made this sourdough starter. It's not the kind that's going to rise anything very well, but it's very sour and it's going to add a lot of flavor. So what can you add that to? I'll tell you what you can add that to. I've got a a whole list of things here from just regular, more dinner type stuff to desserts. And I want to have recipes for all of them because you can always Google that. But the first thing would be breads and rolls. And any kind of breads and rolls that are going to be more flatbreads, just add the sourdough starter to it. And it doesn't really matter if it rises a lot because if it's a flatbread, you know, like naan or which is the Indian bread or some kind of roll that you just want it more sour, it doesn't really matter. Or how about adding some sour flavor to biscuits? So imagine having a sourdough biscuit that you can either smother something on like, you know, jam or any kind of a gravy, like a a biscuits and gravy, but it's a sourdough biscuits and gravy. That could be pretty interesting. So anyways, I have a recipe on food.com for, it's called Grandma's Sourdough Biscuits. And that's a one-to-one ratio of sourdough to flour. So it's more of a a one cup of sourdough to a one cup of flour ratio. And then it, it really just has salt, baking soda, baking powder, and then butter or oil. And you know, how simple of a recipe is that? You know, you can take your biscuits that still taste really good, but imagine adding that little bit of twang to it. Another idea to go with dinner would be like making a a sourdough cornbread. You know, normally cornbread is kind of crumbly and a little bit gritty, but imagine having a little bit of a sour flavor in there. So if you bring that over to somebody's house, I can imagine them saying, you know, how did you make this? What is that ingredient in there that I I can't put my finger on? And then when you tell them it's more of a, a sourdough, it just makes it that extra special because there's that much more work in it. The next one on the list actually brings back some memories of when I was a kid, and that's making sourdough dumplings. And I have this memory of my grandma up in Missouri. For dinner, she would make these dumplings, and they tasted really amazing. She called them drop dumplings. And I can't imagine that it actually had somewhat of a sour flavor, but her dumplings were just so good, and I always loved them. And I grew up 
having this craving for dumplings that I, I could never seem to, to put my finger on. But whenever I went to the store and I bought dumplings, or if I went to a restaurant and tried some, you know, chicken and dumplings, it just, it never tasted the same as how my grandma used to make it up in Missouri. So in any case, if you can put some sourdough starter into some dumplings and make like a, a really good flavorful brothy soup, add some dumplings in there. And I'm sure that's bound to make a dinner really amazing, having a sourdough dumpling. And I've seen recipes on the, the web anywhere from a ratio of uh, sourdough starter to flour of one to one. So very sour to just a, about a one to two. So it seems like a lot of people are using a lot of sourdough starter in these dumplings to make them very soured. I'm sure the flavor is definitely there. And then the only other thing in there is really just baking soda, salt, some kind of a milk, and then, you know, oil. And some even use eggs and baking powder, but I'm sure you can even leave those out too. So anyway, a, a nice sourdough dumpling, I can imagine how good that would be. So the next one actually comes from the blog of King Arthur's Flower. And I'm sure a lot of you guys out there probably know King Arthur Flower because you've probably seen it in the store. It's usually a little bit more expensive, and I've used it, and it seems to work just fine. But they have a whole recipe on making sourdough pretzels. And these are soft, chewy sourdough pretzels that they actually use sourdough starter that's been unfed. So it's very sour, just like a lot of these recipes I'm going to tell you about. Because if you're going to be throwing sourdough starter away, you might as well use it to make some of this stuff. And they just go through and add water, some unfed sourdough starter, some flour, dry milk, malt powder, they even put yeast in there just to make it rise a little bit and then some salt. And, you know, there's other recipes out there, but this was just the first one that popped up and they have a, a whole tutorial on how to make it, how to fold it, you know, how to twist it and make those pretzel shapes. So in any case, it'd be very cool to actually make your own homemade sourdough pretzel rather than having to buy that at the store or a carnival. And I'm sure the kids would probably love having a nice fresh sourdough pretzel with that, you know, the gritty salt on top of it. You know, during a movie or something along those lines. And I had another recipe in there from the Food Network from Alton Brown. He has a very popular pretzel recipe that you can easily turn into a sourdough pretzel recipe. The next one I'm going to talk about is one that I think is going to easily become a favorite in my house, and that's sourdough pancakes. And there's actually a very good recipe from the Nourish Kitchen that I'm going to provide you. And they have a, a bunch of nice pictures in there of these pancakes. They look really amazing. It actually calls for two cups of sourdough starter to one cup of flour. So you're actually using double the sourdough starter as flour. And I'm sure that probably turns out totally amazing with some nice maple syrup or nice blueberry syrup or something along those lines over sourdough pancakes. And for nothing else, I think I might even just start making sourdough starter just to make these pancakes. So you guys definitely need to check this recipe out. Another one I got for you guys is from the Elliot Homestead, and that's how to make sourdough tortillas. And I actually make my own homemade tortillas all the time whenever I make Mexican. And normally I just use flour, water, salt, and some coconut oil, and I think maybe even baking powder or baking soda in there. But with this recipe, you actually add a little bit of sourdough in there. It looks like a, a one to four ratio. So one part sourdough, four parts flour, and then it just calls for oil, salt, and water. And like I said, normally I make tortillas for Mexican, but if I made a, a sourdough tortilla, I could actually picture maybe not even making that for Mexican and maybe spreading like peanut butter and jelly on or, you know, any kind of dessert, almost like a sourdough type of a crepe. 
actually just coming to mind, I could probably think of a, a sourdough tortilla that has strawberries and sugar and maybe even some whipped cream in there. I bet that would probably taste really good. And the next idea to use sourdough starter is to make your own sourdough crackers. And this one comes in from Ragamuffin Diaries, of all places. And I'm sure you could Google many other sourdough cracker recipes. But in general, this recipe uses a one-to-one ratio. So one part sourdough to one part flour. Then it's just oil, salt, paprika, and then seeds. So just another creative use for sourdough starter. So it just lets you recycle this into something useful. So also just to rattle off a few desserts, you know, you can use your sourdough starter to make cakes or even cinnamon rolls. You know, I'm sure cinnamon rolls. And normally it's very cinnamony and then it's also very doughy when you think of a cinnamon roll with that sweetness on top. But if you add that sour flavor to it, I'm sure that's got to be just totally amazing. Another one would be muffins. And another one that I'll provide a recipe for from Cultures for Health is a pie crust. So you can make a sourdough pie crust, which is a a one to two ratio. So, you know, one part sourdough starter to two parts flour. And then it's just sea salt, sugar, and then some kind of a fat, you know, whether that's butter or coconut oil or whatever. But imagine you have a really sweet pie and to balance out some of that sweetness, maybe you would add the sourdough starter and then you would have a little bit of a sour flavor that blends in a little bit of sweetness. I think that would be a a nice balance to both. And finally, when it comes to desserts, I'm going to finish out with sourdough donuts. And I have two links here for you guys. One is chefindisguise.com. The other one is practical stewardship. And the first one, and really both of them, you just have to check out these sites just to see the pictures of these donuts. It just makes my mouth water right now just looking at it. The first one is actually, you know, a traditional fried donut. And when you think of a donut, you probably would think of a sourdough donut, you know, covered in sugar. And I think that would just make everybody go nuts over. So in any case, the first one has a half a cup of sourdough to two cups flour. So it's a little less of a, a sour donut, but tasty nonetheless. And then it adds a lot of other things like eggs and buttermilk and cinnamon and, you know, the different spices. And the second recipe here, which looks just as good and is actually a little bit healthier in terms of not necessarily because it's vegan, but because it's actually baked. So you're not frying it in a bunch of oil. This one has a half cup sourdough starter to one and a half cups of whole wheat flour. And for the fat, they use an olive oil or a melted coconut oil. So in any case, you have Two recipes here for some amazing donuts that use up your sourdough starter that you're going to throw away. So at the end of the day, when you look yourself in the mirror, tell yourself to stop throwing away the sourdough and start making some donuts. So getting off the recipes now and just, you know, the other general ideas. Other uses for a sourdough starter, I have just three here. Say if you have grains or, you know, say like rice or any kind of barley or say quinoa or any other kind of a starchy grain and you want to sour it, you can actually use your sourdough starter to get those grains soured. And really the process is just to break it down a little bit faster and make it just a little bit more digestible for you so your body doesn't have such a hard time digesting some of this stuff. Another one would be to just feed your animals. So if you have chickens or ducks or any animals that would like this stuff, you know, feed your sourdough starter to your animals, give them a little bit of a protein boost. And finally, just like with everything, you know, if you're going to throw it out, 
you might as well compost it. You know, let the microorganisms and let the worms have it and they'll just recycle it into something new and that'll end up back in the garden again, end up growing in the stalk of a plant. And finally, the last section here is just some tips and techniques. So the first one is you can use pineapple juice or orange juice to get your starter going. Like I had mentioned before, this was actually from the Fresh Loaf, and they really expand on that. So you can read all about it. You can use fresh crushed grapes. Like I said, grapes have a lot of yeast on the skins. Uh, in terms of actually using different kinds of grains, some people actually find a, a lot better result using rye. But you can try rye grains or using really any other grains. Try to see if you can get this going. You, and I've even seen some recipes where some people have actually made a sourdough starter from gluten-free grains. So if you're making a, a gluten-free bread, I can't you know guarantee it's going to turn out the same. But I've seen recipes out there where you can actually make a gluten-free sourdough starter. To get your starter going to begin with, I've even seen it where some people use things like kombucha, water or dairy kefir, or even whey to actually get it going because, you know, some of these things like, especially water and dairy kefir, they have tons and tons of probiotics in there. And if you introduce those to a, a sourdough starter or a sourdough starter to be, I'm sure those organisms are just going to eat that stuff up. And, you know, I, I can't guarantee that that's actually going to turn out right just because, you know, say from um, yogurt or kombucha or the kefir away, there's actually totally different organisms in there. So, I mean, while at first it might start out completely different, you never know by the end it might actually revert to what you're really looking for. And you never know, you might even come up with some brand new culture that tastes completely different and that everybody goes nuts over. So, you know, you always have to experiment. But traditionally, I don't think I'd like to do that that way just because it's it's not necessarily traditional. But Hey, if it works, then by all means. Another tip would be when you're storing your starter for use, make sure to use clear glass so you can actually see what's going on. See if your sourdough starter is actually rising and, you know, make marks on the jar or even use one that already has marks on it so you can actually see how much it's risen by the next day. Another thing to keep in mind is the temperature and the seasons. So like I say, always in my house, it's about 70, 72 degrees. In the winter, it's probably more like... 63 to 67. To get sourdough starter active enough for bread, I feed mine 12 hours in advance. But then when it actually comes time to actually making bread in a recipe, you have to pay attention to how cold or how warm your house is. So say you've already fed your starter 12 hours in advance and it's actually active. Then once you add that to the recipe and then, you know, you have your first rise, it might take anywhere from three to four hours in the summer months. So, you know, on a warm day, three to four hours for like a, a nice good rise. And in the winter, a lot colder might take six to 12 hours. So keep an eye on when your dough is risen enough for you and, you know, knead it. And then on your second rise, it could take anywhere from one to two hours. So, you know, you have to keep this stuff in mind. The next thing when making loaves of sourdough bread, like I've gone over in, you know, the past no-need recipe and the whole show on making no-need bread and making a good crusty bread, the biggest tip here is to make sure to use a cast iron Dutch oven. And that actually traps some of the moisture in to give you that nice crust you're looking for. And you can use an unglazed one. You know, the unglazed ones are a little bit less expensive, but if you can find, you know, the enameled ones, they're a little more pricey, but they make it less sticky and you can get your bread out a little easier. Another tip, if, if you're going to take a break and maybe not use your sourdough starter like as, as often as you'd like to, you can actually feed the starter double the amount of flour or just cut the water in half. 
so that gives a, a little better of a habitat for the yeast, and you're making a, a thicker type of a sourdough starter. So it's a little thicker and just gives your yeast a little bit better of a chance. And finally, if you're really going to take a long break, or if you just want to be sure you have backups of this precious starter that you spent so much time and so much care on, you know, in case anything happens to it, you can actually dehydrate a portion of your starter. So all you really have to do is you take a a cookie sheet that's lined with parchment paper and thinly smear some of that onto the parchment paper. And you'll, you'll put the whole thing in the oven just turn on the oven light. So don't actually turn the oven on, just turn the light on. That'll give you enough heat to kind of dehydrate that thin smear out. And you leave it overnight or even maybe up to a day. So it should dehydrate enough to break it up and crush it into crumbs and powder that you can later rehydrate back into that same nice starter again. So it gives you a really good backup. And, you know, say if you have something going for multiple decades, and this is something passed down from generations and generations. You definitely don't want to lose that. And not only is this to have a backup, but it also gives you a great way to give your starter to friends and family just to, like I always say, spread the culture. So anyways, just like you would back up a a hard drive on your computer, make sure to back up your ferments, especially the sourdoughs. And you can store those in, you know, Ziploc bag or maybe even an airtight mason jar. That'll probably store for several months. And if you put it in the freezer, indefinitely. So anyways, I really hope you've enjoyed this whole show on sourdoughs. I'm very excited to get into the new year, try a lot of this stuff, and just keep on going with the fermentation and keep answering your questions and interact with you and just to see where we go next. So everything I've covered on today's show will be in the show notes. And of course, I invite you guys to come out to fermentationpodcast.com and leave some comments on today's show. Let me know what you think or if you have any questions. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get updates of new shows and blog posts by email. This has been Paul Bates from the Fermentation Podcast, encouraging you guys to put fermentation into practice, ferment responsibly, and get out there and create some culture. Culture.